What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. How we doing? Are you tired from the turkey? Uh, we're recording this right after our last one, Matt. <laughs> right after Thanksgiving. Uh, you don't you don't have to pretend. I think people oh. are yeah caught wind. Okay, okay, we'll just be transparent then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like usual. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Done deal. Sign me up. What's happening, buddy? So we are recording this prior to Thanksgiving because uh, the week gets crazy, and we'll catch up all on that stuff, uh, all the stuff that's upcoming uh, soon. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Good. Everything's a little truncated here. We just finished an episode. We talked about the 12-hour day, doing a commercial, uh-huh. um, and lots of other things. You go into Erie, Pennsylvania, and here we are about to squeak out some more quality content for the Mind <laughs> Over Magic uh, loyal listeners here. Yeah. One of the things I didn't get to about last week, uh, or two weeks ago when this airs, is uh, I got to see Neil Brennan's show, Unacceptable, here in New York. Another now, what type of show is this? This is a, uh, a kind of a comedy one-man show. It's more of like a stand-up show with a little bit more theatrical elements to make it more of a one-man show, per se. Black so, box theater type thing? Yep. It's a very small theater. Um, I couldn't tell you how many seats because I'm bad at estimating. But, uh, Maybe 100. Yeah, 50. about 150 is probably correct. Uh, the Cherry Lane Theater down in uh, the Village here in New York. It just goes off of my uh, little trend of trying to see one-person shows. Uh, I had just seen Colin Quinn, which was more of a traditional stand-up show because it was just him and a mic. Uh, Neil Brennan's show was actually directed by Derek Delgadio, although there was no real magical elements per se but it feels like you know neil wrote everything as a comedian and then brought in derek maybe just to tweak certain things and there is an element of the show that is magical in nature but it's not magic per se Uh, okay yeah so uh i enjoyed the show it was very interesting to see kind of this um you know how to keep an audience engaged with just talking for you know 75 minutes Mm -hmm. um couple similar themes are touched upon especially uh, between Colin Quinn and Neil Brennan of like uh, where we are as a country and you know the right and the left stuff which is really where my mind is these days kind of figuring out that dynamic and finding that balance to play to both uh, sides per se and making it funny but uh, I like the theme of Neil Brennan's show a lot and he's a very engaging speaker and performer uh, but his theme about the show being called unacceptable is kind of like him falling in between types of groups. So like, you know, he's, he's liberal, but he's not liberal enough for some of his super liberal friends, you know, or he's like, Mm -hmm. you know, not fitting into certain decisions that he made in life between like rules set up from his parents and then like necessities that he needed to do. That's kind of the whole pivot of the show i'm trying not to give too much away by the way because i'm sure at some point this will probably be filmed and aired on some streaming platform perhaps yeah um but uh uh, he just kind of is finding that balance in between of where he fits in as well uh and i i thought it was hysterical there was some really really funny moments throughout the show i mean it's a comedy show the audience loved it you're calling it comedy but it sounds really introspective i'm kind of confused like is it is there an element to it that's like really like a little more pulling at heartstrings or 
Yeah, I mean, it's got some of those emotional beats in it that makes mm. it more not just straight up, I'm going to tell jokes, but it is very personal about him and mm. where he fits. Um, the, 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 the key element, too, about the set piece, which is kind of where I think um, Derek may have had a hand. I ran into him briefly before the show, by the way, too, just to say hello and congratulate him, which was nice to see him. Uh, and he was mentioning how it seems like everyone was coming to the show at the beginning of the run or at the end of the run because it's just, just closed, I believe, now. So I was happy to see it right before it ended, uh, but I'm curious to see where it ends up after this. Uh, but there's what does a, that mean? No one came in the middle of the run. No, he you mean did, people he knows. People he knew. Yeah, yeah, got it, <laughs> yeah. Got it. Imagine that you open a show and then just empty audience for the middle of the run, and then you wait to the end of the run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. I'm pretty sure it was sold out every single night. It was a very popular show here uh, in oh. New York. Yeah. But just yeah, in terms of people, maybe Derek knew, or for people from the magic world, maybe, or I don't sure. know. Sure. I don't know. Um, but he, uh, we were talking about set lists with Colin Quinn, right? And how he had a monitor behind him. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of going through his premises or just to give him a little reminder of where he's at in the show. Uh, Neil Brennan approached the set list in a different way. Uh, he has all of these like wooden blocks that are kind of like emojis like hmm. on the wall behind him. Are they carved into emojis or they have like they're painted? They're like individual blocks carved and painted so like uh it would be like sunglasses or something like that because he's made out of wood yeah made out of wood so mm -hmm. it was like it represented like his little bit on kanye mm -hmm. <laughs> and stuff like that or he has like a like a small handgun for his talk about like gun control and stuff oh going nice on with that uh and he uh he kind of just looks back at the wall and once he talks with them he either like tips it to the side or like rotates it or moves it on the wall uh, to kind of show where he is in the in his set. And he um, I liked those moments, too, of like just when he stops and kind of ponders and he's like, all right, it looks very organic uh, to like move from one topic to the next topic. And it kind of gives you a moment to process everything you just said and gives him a moment to like reset and move on. So I thought that was fascinating. But otherwise, it was just an empty wall, like a white wall behind him. And then I think he just he has a chair. And that's the whole set for his one-man show. So Nice. Simple. Yeah, very simple. Uh, mm -hmm. And then those emoji things come all together in a interesting way at the end and I don't again I don't want to reveal it but I almost spoiled it for myself because when I first saw the set I was like oh wouldn't it be cool if these, those things did that and I go I guess that's not going to happen and then right. it, then it happened at the end wow <laughs> so this is comedy with heart yeah yeah is that what it is it's comedy it's a, it's, a, it's a mix between a theatrical show and a comedy show yeah I see yeah cool so, I definitely enjoyed it. I'd recommend it. Um, but it's closed, so I can't see it. It's closed, but hopefully it'll live on in the streaming. It might move to L.A. or who knows. It could, yeah, it could, could move travel. anywhere. It could do something. It could, yeah. He does do a bit about talking. I don't want to spoil, again, the, the part of the show where he talks about it, but he does. You're bring, really teasing us here. He brings up, like, the Netflix, uh, a story from going to, like, a Netflix party that's hosted by the president of Netflix, and one of the running gags is like, I don't know where this is going to end up streaming, but I just want to say the Netflix president is a very, very nice man. <laughs> like, trying to, like, coax him into buying the show to stream. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. And uh, again, it was I, I'm 
trying to process and kind of separate the two because I saw that right after I saw the Colin Quinn one. So just to kind of figure out their styles and who spoke about what between each two. Like, mm-hmm. again, it's a week week since I've seen them, so they're all kind of starting to blur together. But, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a blast. Awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. What what uh what's going on uh, new with you? What else did you happen at the show this week? Well, yeah, it's funny. We talked about magicians coming to the show uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and that continues. Um, so last night we had Dustin, our our current uh, winner of America's Got Talent. Dustin Tapella. Uh, yeah, yeah, at yeah. the show with his lovely wife Carrie. Oh wow! And I mean, both of who I you know previously known from our um, appearance, we hung out in L.A. when. Uh, he and I performed together in finale, and I and I met Carrie briefly there as well. And uh, what just not such nice people. Yeah, good. I good, love good. nice humans. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, nice. Like you know, I had him come back and say hello uh, before the show, and you know, he's exactly as I remembered him. Which yeah, I guess it was like two months ago, so right. I <laughs> shouldn't have expected any major changes. But who knows? I mean, but you didn't you know, see him uh, since the announcement of him winning. I had. Oh, you did? Okay. I did, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I did see him after the win, uh, just briefly, and congratulate him and so on. But um, you didn't really get to interact, and because maybe, uh, you don't know, maybe the win got to his head, and he became a completely different person, but you're saying Or the not- Vegas contract, right? Okay, yeah. For all I know, he's living up at the top of the Luxor, <laughs> you know, wearing a leopard robe and sipping... Uh, <laughs> My ties with a long cigarette out of his mouth. I don't know. No, he's but, not doing. But you're any saying of that. that's not the case. <laughs> no, 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 no. Very humble. Very nice. I, I mean, just the, you know, there's a certain energy that sort of resonates from him. And and I don't even mean this as a compliment to myself. I really don't. But I do see like parts of him that remind me of me. Honestly, even just seeing him on the set of AGT, like literally making friends with everybody. Like yeah. you know, the person who's delivering the food to the tables, like like you know, for the craft services to uh, the camera operator to and then he's doing the same thing backstage at my show. After I walk away, you know, it's just a couple minutes before going on stage, I hear him, you know, being escorted out asking everybody everything about wow. themselves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and how long have you worked here at the show? Nice. And oh, okay, so you started recently. And where do you live at? And I'm just like, what is happening right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, just the most friendly, social and like actually you know a stand-up person that sort of like lives up to the agt package if you will of like you know they make the video packages Mm -hmm. about and a big part of you know dustin's um backstory was personal and about him and who he is and like it's 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 always great when you see those stories um like be true right right yeah exactly and i I think that's also just you know being a human being treating people like humans again and being genuinely curious and interested in people's life i mean you what's the old like dating rule is like you can always always tell about someone based off of the way they treat uh, you know the wait staff and uh it's true for anything so like even if you're at a certain level I mean, everyone's got their own job. You can't look at someone just because they're like a stagehand or something as someone lesser or whatever. Uh, that's not a good. That's that's where you get that diva attitude and that diva reputation. If you're one of those people who's like, it's all about me. It's like, no, everyone's coming to, together and doing their part and has a you know are generally you know are people and you should treat them like people. And I think that's the, well, the better yeah, way to it, go about life. 
it, and it's not even a situation like that where people tend to be rude, but like, honestly, like in the AGT environment, you know how stressful it is. Mm-hmm. Most people are just so focused on themselves and like what they're doing and, mm-hmm. you know, they're 90 seconds on stage and hoping everything goes right. I mean, you have every right to yeah. like be confused in that moment. So like to be able to take yourself, like be present enough to actually be focused on other people at all during that time is really not easy to do. And I really haven't seen a lot of people do it, Um, but he's definitely one that I have. Uh, And yeah, it was really great. I love the Vegas sort of uh, camaraderie where like we go and see each other's shows and hang out and... uh, I love that. It's a big part of the Vegas community and part of what's been, you know, sort of missing for the past year and a half that's that's coming back now. And it reminds me of the old Vegas, you know, where people used to perform their show, and this is well before my time, mm-hmm. and all have a place where, you know, a lot of the performers, dancers, headliners would go hang out afterwards. Right, yeah. Get that you know, they'd like, all hang out at the Pepper Mill or this right. or that, you know. Like the Rat Pack feel. The Rat that. Pack yeah. feel, yeah. Like, And that's, you know... <laughs> part of why I miss Wonderground being open and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I, I like at least that we can be still visiting each other's shows, even though not everybody's, uh, we're not all, you know, the Rat Pack. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it was, it was great to have um, some, some AGT family at the show. It was the same night we happened to be filming the commercials, so I didn't do, like, any sort of, like, shout out during the show. Right. When we talked about this before, too, like, I generally don't when mm-hmm. when people come to the show. I'm generally not, especially if they're not ready for it. <laughs> I'm generally not calling attention to them uh, being at the show and making a spectacle of it, mainly because I assume they're just trying to have a night out and like it's their night that where they're not on stage. Right. Yeah. 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 Um. So generally, I'm not doing that sort of thing. But um, I guess if I wasn't filming a commercial, maybe I could have. You know, when I go see certain shows. Like I, I'll have certain shows I've seen where like they'll actually want to bring you on stage, which I don't mind doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I've never actually done that where like I shout someone out and then also bring them on stage. I guess I've done it once, once? but outside of that, who, yeah, I did do it once. Who was the one? Miles. Miles. Davis. Miles. No. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think. Of, Miles Teller. Who's Miles Teller? Uh, he was in Whiplash. What is Whiplash? The, the one about drumming, and he's got the mean instructor played by J.K. Simmons yelling. Drumline? At nope, that's Nick Cannon. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Miles Brown. He was a, he was a, a child star, really. I mean, he's a teenager now, I suppose. Uh, in the show Blackish, which I think is on ABC. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was, um, gosh, I don't know how old he was at the time, but very eager to come on stage. So. And you, did I you use him as that kid role in your show? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so that's more, yeah, I don't think you would just necessarily bring a celebrity up on stage or whoever just to, like, be a participant to do magic to, because I feel like that would feel set up or stooge. But it's a different story when you have, like, a young kid who's excited and wants to be on the, the show, even if they've, you know, got some fame to them, because the way you incorporate a kid in your show is, like, making them the star and right. playing off of that excitedness uh, towards the end of your show when they get to shuffle cards. <laughs> yeah, a few times come to mind for me though, like where the performer has asked me to do it. And one was Terry Fader when I had first mm-hmm. come out to Vegas for like the AGT live show years ago. And I uh, went to see his show. He was maybe at the time the only 
America's Got Talent winner to like be performing in Vegas right. at that time. Yeah. Right. So it was nice of him to sort of take me under his wing in a sense and say, hey, come see my show. Uh, I would love for you to come on stage and do a bit with me. So I was happy to do it. And sure. Donnie Osmond, because he's the greatest showbiz uh, person uh, of our time, uh, has done it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But like, I would, I, I kind of want to do that. That would be kind of fun to do, to like invite someone on stage. And maybe yeah. I would have done it had I not had everything else going on and, you know, had a 12-hour day at the theater. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I would, wouldn't that be fun to do and like do a bit with them of some kind that can sort of be like semi-improvised? Yeah. I think those are also those moments that people talk about if they're in the audience at that time. It's like, oh, we went to see Matt Frankel's show and then so-and-so just showed up and did a thing i mean that's that's the buzz right people are get that fomo because they weren't in the audience during that particular show you know yeah you just reminded me donnie uh uh, posted on social media recently his brother of the osmonds Mm -hmm. uh was like recently at his show and he brought him on stage and he was singing and dancing and performing with donnie like on a whim in in theory um and like that's awesome and i never get to do stuff like that where like i can bring someone up and sort of like perform with them like another performer because again i don't want to impose right but to be honest with you i've never really felt like it was an imposition on me when i've been asked to do it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i don't know why i feel like oh i can't do that because i don't want to impose you know yeah i wonder if it's um just the style of show like when you like singer performer shows it's kind of easy to bring in someone to do a bit with because it's I kind agree of, kind of uh you know almost surface level on a celebrity participant you know <laughs> style not to diminish anything you did in those shows but uh you know what i'm talking about versus making people are there to see your show which is a magic show so it's got to have this amazing magic element to it and right. to get someone on board quickly for that might be a, a higher peak to climb. Yeah. But what if it's a magician? So for example, I did do a bit, a magic bit with like Terry and one of his dummies. Mm-hmm. That's what they're still called. Dummies. Yeah, I think so. The puppets. Um, and I did do magic bits with Donnie and Marie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was one of those things. He calls you on stage, hands you a deck of cards and says, go, you know, and then, <laughs> yeah, I did a fun thing with the, with them. Um, so if it's a magician, why should it be any harder for them than it was for me, right? Yeah. Or if you're bringing a singer on, just be like, give them a microphone and go, go. And- <laughs> See, I would feel awful doing that. Wouldn't you? Doesn't that feel terrible? Doesn't that feel like for some reason worse? As long as they know ahead of time and like agree to it, I don't think that's bad. But like you don't want to put people on the spot. Like when I tell anyone I'm a mind reader, you tell anyone who's a magician or like comedians get all the time, like tell me a joke, you know, it's like, right. you don't want to just be that person. It's like, you know, let them work when they want to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine like a comedian being in the audience and me having them come up and then just being like, all right, do three minutes. Right. No. Yeah. Unless that's a prearranged, you know, ahead of time. Yeah, but let's say it is prearranged. Is it still like, where do you put that in the show? Well, I think you can, <laughs> if, if it was a thing where you wanted to feature another act, I mean, you set it up as the host or the MC of your show. It's like, I'm so thrilled we have so-and-so in the audience here. They agreed that to perform let's give them a big round of applause and then you're basically doing like a featured spot in the middle of your right show. you know similar to how lance used to have michael godot do the juggling in the middle of his show right uh, you but know? yeah it's less of that improvised improvised vibe because it's planned but yeah right. you could do something where you say 
you know, whether it's planned or not, you can, the old showbiz tactic of, Hey, I, you know, listen, I don't want to put you on the spot, but right. I mean, it's gotta be planned. Yeah. I would never yeah. just actually put someone on the spot, but it is fun if it feels improvised, isn't it? We're really yeah. getting inside here. We're, we're tipping yeah, yeah, a lot of secrets yeah, yeah. here, but, <laughs> um, but like that would make it more fun. Wouldn't it mm-hmm. from a show, you know, from a uh, audience sure. perspective. Absolutely. But yeah, I, my goal is to do that. All right. That's That's not my literal goal, like, for the end of the episode. (laughs) But, like, really, I would love to do that someday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be So you're going to be in Vegas in, what, two weeks? (laughs) (laughs) You're saying I should bring the duct tape and do it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be That's what I'm getting at. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that in your show, Matt, because I saw your show two and a half times last last time, and... uh, I don't know. You've been pushing me pretty hard. I might have to just spend my time at Donnie's show this time around. (laughs) So maybe he'll ask me. (laughs) If you've seen my show two and a half times and haven't made an appearance on stage and you go to Donnie once and I find out that you're up there with duct tape on your face, we're going to have words. Well, I actually did a guest spot in someone's show uh, right after AGT a couple of years, uh, maybe a year or two after I was on the show. And that was Murray, right? Yeah, I went. And yeah. Did, uh, Murray invited me to do a set. Uh, he was at the Trap at the time and uh, at the Laugh Factory, which is, again, I love performing in these comedy club style venues. So that was perfect for me. Right, right. And he just did that. I mean, he always featured, you know, he had Lefty in his show as well. So he would, Murray would go off stage and Lefty would perform so i think he's kind of used to that sharing the stage but then you know for me it just was like we've got a special guest for you tonight telling the audience this like he was just on america's got talent please enjoy eric diddleman and i came out and just did my one act and then threw it back to him and he did the rest of the show so it is totally doable no but again uh, it's, uh, it's pre-arranged it's not like yeah. i was sitting in the audience watching the show and then he's like come up and do it and i'm like what? no you're backstage me? and then yeah. you enter that's a yeah. that is to me a very different thing and let me just mm-hmm get your opinion on this is it okay and i I know my answer but and and i don't mind when people do it to me but is it okay to like do a shout out without permission maybe i mean we talked about this a little bit before i know it's not your style but i've definitely seen entertainers do that and just yeah but you don't know whether or not it was permitted though that's true so let's say you're you're on stage and you happen to notice happen to notice tony danza (laughs) <laughs> of all in the people. third row in the third row on the aisle do you call attention to danza uh i probably wouldn't necessarily but i is it okay if you chose to sure i think if you do it with respect and just be like i'm so honored we have the the not the boss because that everyone knows that was angela but who's the boss star <laughs> tony danza here tonight let's give him a big round of applause uh, i'm I think cringing do- right now i think he does the polite little wave and then oh, just i'm cringing this seat. is so unacceptable <laughs> for me now again people have done it to me without permission and i absolutely do not mind yeah um, but i just can't bring myself to do it well that happened to us when we saw carrot top right like, um we didn't know. i feel like we may have known i didn't know Maybe I feel you like knew. I may have known. You didn't tell, you didn't tell me. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like I may have known. But he pointed out you and me and then gave us shots, and that was part of the show. <laughs> we did get shots. Yeah. Oh, man, I love Carrot Top. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he just celebrated 16 years in Vegas. Wow, that's amazing. Just like a couple days ago. Isn't that, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. This is mm-hmm. what I mean with the whole camaraderie of performers. And, you know, you, know, you have that in New York, too. Yeah. You know, you just went to uh, that show, Neil Brennan's show. 
It's like, I just, I just love that. I love performers going to hang out with each other and see each other's shows. That's fun for me. Yeah, yeah. I am, yeah, I like that. Uh, and then you had Dustin. Did you get to talk to Dustin about what he thought of your show? Did you ask him about how AGT Live is going? Are you going to get to see that show at any point? Well, I saw him before my show. Um, but I did ask him how things were going over at the Luxor just to get his inside scoop. Ma- mainly wanted to know, like, how he's adjusting to Vegas because last I had spoken to him, he was really apprehensive about even coming out here, like yeah. whether or not he would like it. But his wife and kids are happy and they love their neighborhood. So mm-hmm. um, so he's happy as well. Kind of like kind of like me, you know, Tiana's happy. So, you know, I'm happy yeah. to happy wife, happy life, if you will. Um, so it seems like they're getting their footing and enjoying themselves. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll get together at some point, uh, you know, to catch up outside of uh, outside of the theaters and outside of magic. I do look forward to getting over there and see the AGT live performance because they have so many acts mm-hmm. in that show. Yeah. Um, but I believe he closes the show. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, um, you know, I didn't get any feedback, uh, uh, of course, because he, I, like I said, we hung out beforehand, not after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had a lot going on yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we were able to, to squeeze in a hello beforehand, which was great. So That is great. Yeah, uh, there you have it. I think that's important, too, to note, because, again, people have this view of what Vegas is. But if you're living there, if you're local, like that's a lot of the stuff that are not the shows, the reputation of Vegas, what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas, all the debauchery, all the clubs, the partying and stuff. Those, sure, that happens on the Strip. People are going there to party. Uh, but that's not what all of Vegas is. And, like, if you're living off the Strip in the suburby areas, you know, you can avoid that kind of quote reputation uh, as well and especially if you're a performer and literally you're only going to the strip a lot of the time just to see your do your show or see other shows you Mm -hmm. know it's not as you know uh, um, sinful as they say Sin City could be you know (laughs) yeah it's uh it's one of those places I was talking to uh the director of our commercial Jeff as I mentioned last week, also mm-hmm. was uh, the masseuse in Seinfeld. Yeah. Because uh, he's lived here 25 years. Yeah. And it's crazy to me that I've lived here seven already. Wow. Like, where yeah. did that time go? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, you know, it's one of those things. It takes you a couple of years to figure out what is this place. And then right. you go, okay, I get it. And you start to love it. Also, when I was traveling last week, I was watching, uh, I think it was like a Netflix download that I did on my iPad. And it was a show about songwriting and the episode I watched was about the killers, the band, Mm -hmm. the killers who are local to Vegas. They're from Vegas, born and raised in Vegas. Oh, I didn't know that. And I guess the song was, the the whole show was about how they wrote when we were young, which is Mm -hmm. one of their hit songs, I believe from their second album. And they talked about how like growing up in Vegas and just the desert landscape and like how much of that influenced the sound of that song. And, how, and they actually talked a lot about how like Vegas is just like not what anyone thinks it is. Right. Like, sure, the Strip is the Strip, and that's one street, and but it's a really an amazing place. I mean, I think that's true for most cities too. It's mm-hmm. like the uh, people coming to New York City, they just think Times Square and Broadway and that whole element of it. But it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, us locals, we avoid Times Square as most <laughs> mostly if we can. Right. And, uh, you know, there's quiet streets all over New York where you don't see as many people. It's not as crowded. But again, it's that image of what people perceive of a city or, or Bourbon Street in New Orleans or Sixth Street in Austin. Like they have their party 
areas where people think of, but I was like, the whole city is not like that, you know? Hey, let me ask you a question. If I'm if I'm in town and I'm in like Manhattan, is that is that like annoying that you have, if you if you have to come visit me in Manhattan, is that annoying or no? Because it's an easy trip in. It's an easy trip in from Queens. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, like again, people meet up. Uh, most of my friends. If you were in Brooklyn and you wanted me to come to Brooklyn, that would be a whole different story because there's no easy way. Because it's just difficult to get to. Queens, yeah. Queens to Brooklyn. Even though they're Mm -hmm. geographically next to each other, it's just all trains go into Manhattan. So it's just easier to meet Midtown and stuff like that. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. With a few exceptions. I got to take like, uh, I think I I did a comedy show in Brooklyn and my line was, I had to take the... The N to the seven to the G to the L to get here. And mm-hmm. I was like, and I have I have internet passwords that are shorter than that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. <laughs> just because it's uh, so many trains to transfer to get from Queens to Brooklyn. But, right, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Note to self, don't go to Brooklyn and invite you there. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're making an outing, it's just like a trip anywhere else. But most of my friends who live in Brooklyn, we just meet up in Manhattan. Gotcha. Midtown or something or down in, you know, the village. Which Midtown, is hence the name. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, speaking of shows, I've been catching up on a few shows. I've been really enjoying. I don't know if you'll like it because it's got a supernatural element to it. I but, would not. But uh, it is a very well-written comedy, uh, and uh, I actually know a couple people on the show, but it's the show Ghosts on CBS. So you just have to buy the fact that ghosts are real in this world, and then yeah. it's just they live amongst them, and one person can see the ghosts and interact with them. Uh, but um, two I- UCB people that I know are in that show. I- I'm just shocked you only have one show recommendation right now. Um, I- dude. I, I'm like someone who, as you know, doesn't watch TV. Mm-hmm. Dude, my show list of things I've got to watch and keep up with right now is huge. Yeah, yeah, same. That's why I have all my favorites are <laughs> all my favorites are on right now. I mean, we've got Curb Your Enthusiasm, new episodes every week. Dexter, New Blood. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've gotten into that yet, but I know you watched the original right, Dexter. Right. You're not yeah. watching New Blood? Not yet. I'm probably gonna wait until it's on a streaming platform because I gotcha. So good. Yeah. Um, Cobra Kai coming out next month, and then Righteous Gemstones on HBO coming yeah. out January 9th. I mean, I'm just I'm stocked to the brim with content to uh-huh. keep up with. I know. So. I'm uh I'm excited to to get the finale of uh, it's already come out by the time this airs. Of I've been really into the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> oh, this is not the first time you've mentioned it. Every time I scroll by it on Netflix, it's on Netflix, ain't it? Yeah. Ain't it? Why did I say ain't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, Diddleman loves this, and I can't watch it. It's so good. I can't do food shows. They yeah. just make me hungry. It's just uh-huh. I can't do it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, but yeah, my that's why I only have a few to recommend to you because I just have a backlog of shows that I've been meaning to sit through. But I've been busy, which is a good thing. So uh, you know, not not haven't had a lot of time to sit down and watch television or the movies that I'm trying to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but I do recommend Ghosts. If you check out Ghosts, um, Richie Moriarty plays a, uh, a like a Boy Scout um, uh, uh, leader, and uh, he is passed away. And he's very positive. He's a very funny character. But the fun fact is, uh, me and Richie were in the same uh, UCB characters class. And then to see him on a major sitcom is uh, really fun and very happy for his success. And then one of my favorite improvisers as well, Brandon Scott Jones, plays this like um, revolutionary war general 
uh, and he's kind of out there, but he was on the uh, the improv team Grandma's Ashes, which was one of my favorite teams in New York. So he coached my improv team for a little bit, and uh, I'm just, again, very happy that he's uh, he's found a lot of success out in L.A. Uh, I believe they film in L.A. I think they're out in L.A. And there's another UCB performer that's writing on the show. So, again, all these connections I moved to New York, you know, and met several years ago to see them all kind of grow and become, you know, successful in their own right out in Hollywood. is It's really fun to see. Very cool. Gotta, yeah. gotta, gotta love success of friends and good people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now I'm going to be successful with the question you ask. Oh, yeah? Let's jump over to our riddles. It's time for Diddle Me This. Diddle me this, diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles! Okay. The maker does not need it. The buyer does not want to use it. And the user doesn't see it. What is it? The maker doesn't need it. The Mm -hmm. buyer doesn't use it. And the user doesn't see it. The buyer does not want to use it. The buyer doesn't want to use it. Why would I buy something that I don't want to use? And the, the user buyer doesn't, doesn't see it. The buyer doesn't want to use it. And the, okay. make, the maker doesn't need it. The, my, my mind first went to like life insurance. Oh, interesting. You know, it just like yeah. feels like, okay, the, I don't want to die, so I don't want mm-hmm. to use my life insurance. And then if I am the user, I'm not seeing it because I'm dead. That's where it's so morbid, but that's where my mind went. Mm-hmm. But that's not it. Um, you're, it. It might be an acceptable answer, actually. I might give is it that to you. But it's a, oh, it's is, a coffin. Isn't this it? is a physical thing, and it is a coffin. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have prefaced it with a story about a show about ghosts right before I <laughs> <this> riddle. <laughs> Maybe that put you into that correct mindset right away. Wow. But yeah, that's a, interesting. A coffin is correct. Well done. Yeah, very good. So the coffin maker doesn't need it, obviously, They're, and the buyer doesn't want to use it, and the user doesn't see it. Sad. Love Morbid. it. Let's jump over to trivia. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready, time to use his wit. Pressure, 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 trivia, pressure, trivia I have absolutely no gauge on how easy or how difficult this (laughs) riddle is. Okay. Zero gauge. It's about a, a famous story that you must be familiar with there have been movies and books and more movies and more books on peter pan okay sure how familiar are we with peter pan a little bit one of my favorite movies is hook okay i'm not sure if that applies to this question or not <laughs> okay how much does that stay true to the peter pan story is that like the captain hook side it's yeah it's like a continuation of okay the story. yeah all right I have no idea if you're going to answer this instantly or just be complete. I have no clue. I'm so excited. Okay. What did the crocodile... Do you know the crocodile? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, because I have no idea what this is referenced to. What did the crocodile swallow in Peter Pan? Okay, so this is funny because I know specifically (laughs) what this is because it's in a routine I was doing in my virtual show. So... um, uh, I previously referenced, uh, I kind of did a version of it on the radio when I was promoting Keller's, but uh, uh, I I tried to throw as many pop culture references to this item as possible because I was doing a time prediction. So 
<laughs> I literally say focus on Big Ben, and then you go down the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland with the white rabbit who's checking his stopwatch, who's always running, or pocket watch, who's running late. And then you're in the famous Dali painting that has the craggly trees and the melting clocks, the persistent memory. And then here comes Flava Flav with his giant clock necklace. And he's being chased by the croc from Peter Pan, who's famous for swallowing a clock. <laughs> uh, and then he's struck by lightning from the clock tower where Doc and Marty are are trying to get back to the future. So this is one I specifically knew for my show and referenced it every time I did a virtual show. So I'm just going to give myself a... Uh, you know, the answer I have here is alarm clock. Is that is that true? Yeah, it's, I mean, it could be an alarm clock or just clock, mm -hmm. anything that's ticking. Because, again, in Hook, it's brought up again because the crock is... Um, I think they kill the crock, and he's kind of mounted in the center of the town hall. Although he's not technically dead by the end because the croc gets his revenge on Captain Hook. Anyway, I don't want to spoil a movie from the 90s if you haven't seen it. No, <laughs> but, I haven't. <laughs> but uh, Dustin Hoffman playing Hook, I specifically remember he hates clocks and his mustache like twitched every time he heard the ticking of a clock because it uh. always reminded him of the crocodile. So there's your Peter Pan backstory. Was that the opposite of a butt trivia? Uh, it was an easy trivia <laughs> for me. How easy is that? Pretty easy. I think that's pretty well known towards towards the lore of. You think like a huge percentage of people listening to this would know that right away? Um, if they grew up on the Disney movie, yes, I would say okay. so. It's pretty prominent in the Disney. I wonder movie. how big that if is. You know, yeah. that's a, that could be a big if or not at all. Yeah, I'm gonna give myself another one because I nailed that. <laughs> 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 you sure did. <laughs> we even got some script from the virtual show, folks, for exactly, free. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the Very whole nice. point of by the end, the just uh, the bit is uh, prior to all this, I take off my watch and I set a time in the in the on my watch, and it's in full view the entire time. And then I ask them to imagine this weird daydream that I had, you know, with all these mm -hmm. pop culture references. And if they don't get the references, do the best they can to imagine all of this. But the idea is all of those clocks in their mind all say the exact same time. Ah. And what time did they see? And they name the time that I'm trying to get them to say. And then mm -hmm. I flip over the watch and uh, it says that exact time. I love that. And they freak out. Yeah. <laughs> what, that's some real mentalism stuff. Yeah, right exactly. There. Exactly. It's, a, it's now, a lot of fun to perform. And it's my style on like a watch prediction-y type effect. But because I am such a pop culture junkie, I was literally just sat down one day. I was like, how many pop culture references can I throw in that have a clock in it? But mm -hmm. also finding that balance of you don't want it to be too long or too boring to keep people right. engaged throughout. Yeah. Now, this is mind over magic. What else can you tell me on the uh, the mentalism side of things today? What's going on there? Uh, I've uh, I finished. Uh, I know our goal from last episode was to finish some books, but I did finish a mentalism book prior to this, and I'm just curious to talk to you, Matt, about um, uh, magic books in general. Because there's there's one thing about this uh, this nameless book. I won't I won't go into the name of it because I don't want to insult the author. Because you found it interesting. Well, I did like the book. I liked so this book kind of talked about one concept, but then it's a whole book about one concept, right? 
So, but you're talking about a different book than the one we were already talking about that yeah, also th- talks about one concept? Yeah, this is not Ozzy Wynn's book. <laughs> People are going to have trouble believing that, man, as yeah, am yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 this was another. Because Ozzy goes into all the details of one thing, and it's a short book. The one I'm talking yeah. about was a long book, and the reason it was long, and I don't know if this happens in other magic books that you've read, is once they bring up one concept, then they start to do every small little variation of it, Sure, and which when, could be good or bad. No, which depending. is good. I like the variations, but what they do is they do the whole script, and they're basically copying, pasting that first thing, and then including all of that with the small little variation in it. And I oh, don't know. Oh, so it's if, like cumulative. I don't know if they're doing it just to extend the length of the book, right? Or, or if they're maybe it's it's probably more this where they're using it as a reference, so that if you're not you don't have to go to the beginning of the book to figure out the concept, you can just open up to that one variation and you get the full thing right there. Right. Um, but like using literally copying pasting parts of the script from that's the same in every one, and I'm just like, is there a part in these magic books where they just think, oh, I need to lay this out for everyone for the lowest common denominator, so everyone's on board? And just people aren't able to extrapolate the idea into these other ideas. Like, I feel like once I knew the concept, I was like, all right, just tell me what that variation is. And I can piece it together and go from there. Or like, do you think these magic uh, authors feel the need to hold the reader's hand through every step of the way so that they understand it? Yeah, I mean, I can't even recall a time I've come into contact with a book that did that. I mean, more often than not, there's... Like, it'll say, okay, here's the, and I'm just going to make stuff up here for an example, mm-hmm. but it'll be like, all right, here's the Tamariz perpendicular control. And then they'll spend 10, t- 10 pages describing how to do that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, okay, from now on, we call that TPC. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Anytime you need to do TPC, that's what it's going to say. We're not going to rewrite mm-hmm. those 10 pages every time. Or it could be a variation on the TPC. Right. So they could say, do steps one through five. When you get to step six, do this instead. But we're not re-describing steps one through five. Right. We're saying, do steps one through five. When you get to six, do this. Right, yeah. And that's kind of what I would prefer, I think. But again, I'm getting full scripts of every single possible thing. It's like, now we're going to like make something physical appear in this mentalism thing. But all the steps leading up to it were the, exactly the same to when we didn't make something physical appear in the this routine. So it's like every specific detail and variation got its own chapter pretty much. That's like, too much redundancy, my yes, friend. I know, I know. It made the read go faster. I'll tell you that. Cause yeah, because to- yeah, there was more skimming. <laughs> yeah, I could skim through. <laughs> Maybe even skipping. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't miss much. And some of them, too, it's like, well, you could do it this way or this way. And I was like, great, I don't need to read this chapter because I can, again, put two and two together. I can extrapolate. Uh, it reminds me of those um, uh, uh, that <laughs> I think I've seen it on a T-shirt. It's like there are two types of people in this world, those who can extrapolate from incomplete data. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No, I, I don't think I've seen that. I do like it, though. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. It was just really bugging me as I was reading it. It was like one principle and just so much repeating. Like, come on. Yeah. I always, and I think it comes maybe from my improv background. It's like, always play the top of your intelligence. Always think the audience is like, you know, treat them as uh, as smart as they can be. And they're going to be with you. But again, you do want things to be accessible. You can't just assume necessarily that everyone's thinks the way that you do. So maybe 
some hand holding is needed to get everyone well, through. There's the a difference between hand holding and adding text just to make the pages longer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, if if the information was already there, I don't know that it needs to be due. But you know what? I don't know what book you're talking about. Uh-huh. I don't know what context it's in. I don't know if, you know. Well, I'll tell you this, Matt. Um, I'm delaying reading because this is a two-volume set. I haven't started Ooh. book two yet for this reason. <laughs> Are we talking about scripting magic? No, 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 no. Did no. I just nail it? No, it's not that at all. Because that involves scripts. Right. It's not that. But each one's different, though. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so that's like another good example. Like they'll give you a script, like they'll like with permission, they'll give, you know, Eugene mm-hmm. Berger's script from XYZ. And they'll like as an example of how he's using this element and that element of scripting. And then the next chapter will be about a different element of scripting. Mm-hmm. And then they will provide a different script. Right. A different example yes. of how it's utilizing those tactics. So that is not what we're talking about. Because that also happens to be a two volume set about one topic. Yeah, I actually think I got that before he released the second volume because he kind of okay. separated that differently. So I still think I only have the, the first Scripting Magic by Pete McCabe, I believe, is the author. Right? Yeah, that is correct. Before the end of this episode, I'm going to figure out who you're trashing <laughs> publicly. <laughs> and not trashing because I really like the principles and I think I'm going to use the principle in the in the book. And he does add other little variations. But uh, again, in, he, in other principles that are included in those scripts it's just you don't need the whole script to understand the little principle he added and then he mm-hmm. like at the beginning of each script he's like these are the principles that we're using so it's like you're already set up to kind of put two and two together and then he goes through the example again anyway uh I, again it's it's one of these mentalism books that uh it's fascinating the ideas but it's just like all right condense and how uh, do you spell his last name? <laughs> uh, do you have any magic book pet peeves or anything when you're reading books or what's tricky for you or difficult? Because um, it's, it's hard to kind of put into words some of these physical slights and you kind of have to interpret them and everyone's a little bit different, right? Yeah, like honestly, I'm pretty accustomed to the whole like uh, trying to keep the book open while both my hands are full. Yeah. Uh, like if any, if there was any pet peeve, it'd be something like that. Like a lot of times, you know, you've got the cards in one hand, maybe a pencil in the other because you're taking notes, and then like the book keeps closing because of the, mm-hmm. you know, the spine of the book. So I'm like, you know, putting my phone on top of the book to try to weigh it down, or some yeah. kind of another book or a paperweight just to like try to be able to see. You know what another pet peeve is, and I know there's just no way around this, is like. Refer to figure five to see an example of this. Like and it'll it's be like, like two pages pictures. behind. Yes. <laughs> right now I got to go two pages back. I just you know <laughs> tried so hard. I'm I'm like stuck in this hand position that I uh-huh. took me like you know seven minutes to figure out, and now I got to put this down, go back two pages to look at the picture, only to see that I was doing it wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's just tough. Do you think that's one of the reasons that a lot of these magic dealers are now shifting, especially online, to like streaming videos and uh, learning video-wise? Because I, I don't know if we've ever talked on the podcast about the difference between learning from videos versus books uh, and how popular video the video medium has become, but specifically more for like individual effects now. So you can buy one effect, learn it on the uh, video download, and then you're good to go versus a book that will have many, many effects in it, usually, unless it's this book I'm talking about that has one principle that's repeated throughout. <laughs> yeah, it's a very different learning experience, learning from a book versus learning video. And I think both are great. 
and I think mm. both have flaws. Like, I love books. There are things that really are hard or many times impossible to uh, communicate in in text. Yeah. Rhythm and things like that and timing mm-hmm. and what it's really supposed to look like can be difficult without a video companion. There are times where I've just learned moves and then like when I see it done, I'm like, oh, I interpreted that differently, which sometimes is a great thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. One of the benefits is while you're trying to visualize something in text, you could be visualizing it wrong and then you could have accidentally found a better way that it fits your hands or your style or Mm. maybe even invented a new thing that's a slight Mm -hmm. variation off of the thing that you're supposed to be right right (laughs) yeah um and you know the the main drawback with video is it's much more difficult to infuse your own anything into it Right, because you're getting influenced so much by the performer's performance themselves. So it's hard not to mimic the way they're speaking or the rhythm that they decided to do. Um, And it's just, I think that's why a lot of people, you know, have other people's influences seep into their style Mm -hmm. a lot is through video Mm -hmm. and watching Mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah, it's true. Is that the biggest flaw you think learning from video? No, my biggest flaw, and I just can't stand, is uh, if you're looking for something specific, there's no bookmarks or chapters or oh, anything. Oh, yeah. So you gotta <laughs> scrub through a whole video or whatever to find one thing, and it just takes forever. Like, right. books are references. You could just pick up a book, turn to the right page, and you're good to go. Yeah, I don't want to sit down for an hour for one idea that I think might be in there and might be in a different video or something like that, you know. At the same time, in a way, is video learning faster, though? Maybe, maybe not, right? I don't know. I always liked, I always appreciated the, the, the Jeff McBride tapes that he would have, like, the super practice sessions. And he Dude, would take a those move. are fantastic. I mean, those mm-hmm. learning videos are... Can you describe, describe what a super practice was? Oh, so super practice sessions were, I guess, pioneered by L&L Publishing. I think specifically the Michael M.R. videos. Yeah, and they're rare. They're not common as much anymore for these releases that are out. No, no. Basically, so card manipulation were Jeff McBride's first teaching videos. And if you've ever, you know, other than my TikTok dances, the most popular (laughs) videos on my Instagram are are these card manipulation things, all of which, you know, I learned from one of the great card manipulators of our time, Jeff McBride. And he put out these immensely popular teaching videos uh, back in the 90s. And he would teach the move in incredible detail, um, difficult moves that are expert level, but would teach it um, so that even a beginner could pick it up. And it, the ta- they were three volumes. They went in order in terms of difficulty. So you start at the beginning and very, very, very slowly work your way through the three volumes over the course of years. And the super practice session that Eric is referring to is you would learn all the moves from him teaching it directly to you through camera, directly to camera. But then you would see just his hands. Mm-hmm performing the moves in slow motion. They would literally right. put it in slow motion. He would perform it at regular speed. They would slow it down and play mm-hmm. classical music. Yep. And after every single segment, there would be what they called a super practice sessions where you're looking at just the hands from different angles right. in slow-mo, 
um, to, to, to classical music. And it was, it was from the performer's perspective first and then from a different angle, maybe to the side. But the idea was for you to practice along with the video so mm -hmm. that you could really get these knuckle busting moves down and you could actually try it and they would repeat the thing over and over again. So it would give you multiple chances. And if you needed more chances than that, you could always re rewind the video and do the super practice again. But it was forcing you to practice the moves rather than just watch and uh kind of follow along and get the gist i guess yeah and with these complicated moves i'll tell you even for the best performers and the best teachers in the world and i've seen it a lot um trying to learn from some of the best performers and teachers it's really hard to inorganically do something in slow motion like to take what you do in fast motion then break it down and teach it it's not identical to what you're doing fast many times, mm -hmm. but when you actually do it at regular speed and then slow it down artificially with, you know, technology, right. now you're really seeing exactly what's happening. Yeah. And it is a little different. I mean, I'm getting really in the weeds on that, but like those details matter. And even though like, yeah, it's just slightly different. It's really hard to do this stuff in slow motion because you never do. Um, so yeah, I like that they slowed those down artificially. Um, then you can really see exactly what the hands are doing. So super helpful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably too. I mean, I get it as hard as I was on this mentalism book was like the difference between a magic instruction versus like mentalism. A lot of the time it is a lot of psychological aspects to it. So including a full script does help with that and getting the right wording down Maybe that's why they kept including the same script over and over again to ingrain <laughs> it in your brain. <laughs> now, I will say you think psychological concepts translate just as well or perhaps better through a book, but there are elements of that that are communicated through video better, too. Yeah. In terms of timing of like you can say, mm -hmm. say this, say that. And here's why. But like and then you see the, the author actually do it and you go, mm -hmm. oh, I see the inflection is not what I expected. Right. And it doesn't mean theirs is right and yours is wrong. It just it's interesting to see how right. they interpreted what they were trying to say versus your interpretation of the text. Or so the, I love video companions yeah. to books. Mm -hmm. Or the like the acting that goes along with the line, right? Like you're saying mm -hmm. is like this nonchalant attitude that you can't really grasp until you see the performer right. do it, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, but I, I still prefer books again because I can just bring a book with me when I travel and read it. Or, and not or, or not read it or not read it if the case may be just to take it on a trip or skim the, it yeah or, skim <laughs> <it>. <laughs> or read a couple pages and then fall asleep on the plane uh which is yeah. normally what happens uh, <laughs> but rather than like pull out an ipad and play a video you know that mm -hmm. i feel like i'd get weird looks from people <laughs> <laughs> oh wait i do that all the time i watch videos on my ipad people are just like what is this guy doing why would they care people watch <laughs> movies and stuff on planes all the time yeah this guy's really into this one deck of cards close up on a hand <laughs> i do it all the time i do it all the time i did it yeah. on my last trip i'll whatever i happen to have mm -hmm. downloaded that's sitting there even if it's something i haven't watched in forever and it's just something yeah. that was there i'll i'll pop it on to pass the time Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Well, Matt, we can skip goals this week because we're still working on our goals from the last episode. You got it, sir. So uh, we'll, we'll keep working on reading books, I think, since that ties into what we were just chatting about. 
You got it, sir. Thanks for an amazing uh, episode 74. Thank you for those listening. Oh, very important, a continuation too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would love to learn more about you, and I mean you. Anyone hearing me say the word you, um, where you're from, what you do, what, why you listen to this, or um, what other podcasts you like to listen to. I just, I just love getting to know uh, you a little bit um, in, this, in this little community that we've um, been sort of uh, hanging out with for quite a bit of weeks now. So if you send me a personal DM, uh, and I, I'm going to say, let's do it on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just at Matt Franco. If you're not following already, go on there. But I would love to try to actually see and read your DM. So just I, I will see it if you put the first, uh, you open the message with the word funky, all caps, F-U-N-K-Y, all caps. <laughs> I want you to start your message with the word funky. And I'm going to do my uh, absolute best to try to read the messages that come through that do that um, mm-hmm. and prioritize those. And uh you know, get to know you guys a little bit, maybe even, you know, try to respond to them. I don't know who's going to do it, um, but I know share them on the show with me too, because I'm a little jealous. You're going to get all this info. So if you, if you don't write to Matt on Instagram, you can also email us, but I'd prefer you DM Matt. (laughs) Well, look, it could even be, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily going to share it, put it this way. If it's something, you know, want to share that's Yeah. If you want to share great, but like you're more than welcome to keep it private. Don't feel like whatever you put there is, uh, you know, automatically fodder for the show here. No, I just, I really just genuinely want to get to know, uh, Mm -hmm. who you are and what's going on. And I think it helps us in steering the conversation and we want you to be part of the conversation. Um, and if there are things obviously you ever want to be, uh, you know, talked about on the show, you know, that would be something you can, you can always send it there, but also, uh, through the email, uh, address and so on. Yeah. But I, I would love to get some contact going here. For sure. And yeah, definitely. If you have questions for the show, specifically, you want us to read on air, write to our mailbag at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com, which you can also find at our website, also mindovermagicpodcast.com. Uh, find us on our socials at mindmagicpod. And don't forget, buy tickets to Matt's show in Las Vegas at his website. Uh, you can uh, also visit my website, ericdillman.com, especially as the holiday season is approaching. Things are uh, getting busy. So if you got holiday parties or corporate events or, you know, or if you're still doing the virtual thing, I'm still offering those. So feel free to get in touch. Get busy. Shout out to Sean Paul. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> he has a song called Get Busy. I assumed that was the reference. You know that one? No, I do not. <laughs> Shake that booty, don't stop till the beat drop. Just keep shaking it. And on that note, thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Good night. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.